In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present among us, exposed here in the Most Blessed Sacrament. This weekend, we are continuing our reading in our Sunday Mass from the sermon, our Lord's Sermon on, on the Plain. Um, you know, our Lord gave, gave many sermons. He was a preacher, right? That was, that was his kind of work. Um, he was a carpenter before, but then he became a preacher, teacher. So he gave many sermons, and um, one of them, at least, was up on a mountain. And Matthew kind of tells us about being up on the mountain. And when Jesus goes up on the mountain, he's the, he's the new Moses. And as the new Moses, he is teaching us. Um, it's the law, um, the new law. But instead of being Moses saying, thus says the Lord, Jesus says, I say to you, I say this, I say that, teaching with authority. Right? He goes up the mountain and he sits down. And that's the position of authority of God teaching us on the mountain. Uh, Jesus, divinity, right? With that divine authority. But Luke, um, Luke gives us what's called, and I don't, I don't, this may be one of those like modern things where we just start calling it the Sermon on the Plain, right? The Sermon on the Mount, like everyone's all about the Sermon on the Mount. This is, you know, I don't think everyone's like, oh, the Sermon on the Plain, right? As if it's some kind of big other sermon. Um, but we heard last weekend that Jews came and he stood on a level place and a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from around Judea, Jerusalem, Seacoast of Tyre and Sidon came to hear him and be healed of their disease, right? So now he's, he's in a level place. And what does this teach us about now the humanity of our Lord? That this is, this is the incarnation, that God comes to be one of us, right? And so he's teaching us, not just as um, a far distant God, right? He is the lawgiver. He does teach from that authority, but also fully God and fully man. Jesus is totally one of us. And so he teaches us among us as one among us coming to live with us. And so picture standing on a level playing like a level ground with everyone around. There's very much a part of being part of the crowd, right? There's, there's the coach up in the play box, maybe calling the plays, but then there's the quarterback on the field, right? With the field of vision just right among the rest of the team that, that calls the plays, you know, and, and makes the play in the game. Well, that's, you know, our Lord both is from above as God giving us the law, but also as, as one of us standing among us. Um, Jesus teaches us. He shares life with us. And so we're, we're continuing and I believe we, we read it next week as well, right? It's this three weeks of, of reading from this, this sermon of our Lord. Uh, and so, uh, what do we read? Uh, the continuation of, of this sermon. To you who hear I say, love your enemies. 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not even withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you and from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. And we're going to go on to, to many of these points, right? Um, do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love only those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather, love your enemies and do good to them. And lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the great, the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful, so you are to be merciful. Now that... Again, we, we hear these words, and oftentimes with, with your sermons, Lord, we've heard them so much some, since growing up, that as soon as, the, as soon as they start, we're like, oh, I know where that one's going. We'll just skip ahead, right? We'll, let's get to the good stuff. Give me another parable, right? I uh, want another healing, right? Enough of this sermon. We heard it last week, and we're going to, uh, enough of that. Let's, let's get to some good stuff. Um, but we've got to stick with this. We've got to stay with it. Jesus, you're teaching you, God, living among us, are teaching us. And you make this, this mega demand upon us, right? Be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful, right? We, we live out this mercy, and you, you give us very clear instructions, right? Love your enemies. Do good for those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I mean, that is, we can kind of think about that and theorize about it in a um, very speculative way. But when it comes down to it, like, you know, if somebody, if somebody hates me, like if they, if they really hate me, I don't think I know many people that hate me. Uh, I don't, I mean, they're probably out there uh, with everything going on in our city. There's probably actually a lot of them. I just stopped listening, but who knows, right? But somebody like, uh, I, someone that really, really hates us, right? If you have somebody like that in your life that just like hates you, it's a strong word. I remember growing up, right? Parents are sometimes like, well, we don't use that word hate, right? We don't use that. That was in my house, right? We don't say the word hate. Like, oh, but I just, I just hate the cold. No, no hate, right? No hate in our house. And that's what a beautiful example for parents to set. But like, do good to those who hate you. The, this, this concept, this thought that there's somebody that just really, not even they're annoyed with me. Right? A lot of times it's like, oh, people are a little annoyed with me. They're a little upset. Like, no, this is someone that just deep down wishes me ill and I should do good to them. Like, not even avoid that. Like, avoid the people that hate you, right? Someone doesn't like you. Someone, they, they really hate you. I'll just stay away from them, right? No, no, no. Do good for them. Like, do good things for people that deep down hate you. Love your enemies. Again, oh, we hear it so much, right? Put on a bumper sticker. The easiest way to make something totally irrelevant is to put on a bumper sticker. Um, love your enemies. No, but actually... There's somebody that's an enemy of mine, right? They're, they are acting against me. 
They're trying to, to break me down. They're trying to defeat me. The, the, the adrenaline that goes into that, right? When we're actually confronted in a situation and, and you know, we pray that, that we don't find ourselves in, in any ones that involve you know, violence, but like somebody's actually my enemy. They actually want to do me wrong in this case. And if they can, like they will um, destroy me, right? It could happen, again, it's not just somebody trying to physically harm us, but it could happen, uh, let's say, like in the workplace. Like there's somebody that's trying to crush the good work that I'm doing, what I'm dedicating my time to. There's somebody that is actively working against it, and they're doing it maliciously. Like they they are trying to break the good that we're trying to, because they have a, a different motive, right, or whatever. Love, love your enemy. Like, actually love, do I love that person? I tolerate them. We coexist, right? No, no, no. I love you, right? I really love you. Um, to love our enemies. Doing good to those who hate you. Bless. Bless those who curse you, right? People, people speak all kinds of evil against us. And to bless them. Benedicere. Uh, it comes to just to say good things about them, right? So to, to return a blessing is to, to wish you well, right? To say something. But imagine, like, someone curses me. They, and they speak badly about me. You know, usually these things are much more threatening when they're done to someone in authority. So, you know, somebody, again, at work, starts saying bad things about you to your boss, right? Um, and what do you You say good things about them. Right, you you actually say it's it's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't want to do that. Right? If somebody starts saying bad things about me, I want to say bad things right back about them. Particularly, I mean, in my case, if they start saying things to the archbishop about how bad I am, and they start really cursing my name to the archbishop, my response is going to be, "Well, archbishop, here's all the stuff you don't know about that guy." Right? And and here's how bad they are. And we basically just drag each other down so that if I could discredit you more than you discredit me, um, I win somehow, right? And, and it's so terrible. No, bless, speak well, say good things to and about the people that curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Right, someone someone actually does something something wrong uh, against us. Pray for those who mistreat you, Jesus. And I think that it's important that we're considering this in the context of you standing on a level ground, because this is not just some like instruction manual. Go go for it. Good luck. Figure it out, guys. I don't have a clue. Right? No, uh, Jesus, you live among us. And so you live this, right? You, you did this. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do as you're being nailed to the cross, right? Love your enemies. Do good. To think God was actively doing good to the people that were actively killing him, right? Because to do good to someone, like by holding them in existence, right? By, like it's an active thing on God's part. The way that God holds us in existence is an act of love in each and every moment. And so the fact that our Lord, Lord, you were holding your executioners in existence, you were giving them life as they were putting you to death. 
you're doing, you, you live this. You teach us as one who's done it. There's something so inspiring about like a teacher who's done, done something, right? Um, I, I hate instruction manuals. I hate, there you go. I, I don't read instruction manuals. Um, I really don't like them, right? I can just use them as, as fire starter. I don't know. It, it's, it's like, oh, here's a really like, ah. All the stuff it tells you, all the safety procedures, right? You buy a pressure cooker and you got to read all these safety procedures. <laughs> Forget it. But what would I rather? You call someone up. You have one of these things. How do you use it? <laughs> right? How do you do this? I don't know what the instruction manual says, but what do you, you've done this. How do you do it? Um, Ikea, right? Ikea instructions. It's just easier to call someone and be like, hey, you have this bookshelf, you know, Florgan. Um, what, um, how, do you, how do you put Florgan together, right? And let them walk you through it. Someone that's done it. Not an instruction manual, but a person who, who's been there. Well, Lord, you teach us how to do these things. You teach us how to love our enemies. As you love, you, you actively love those who are seeking you harm. You did good to those who hated you. Blessed those who spoke evil about you. You prayed for those who mistreated you. I remember uh, this, this is the mercy, right? Be merciful as your father is merciful. This is the, the mercy that, that we are called to live, uh, that we actually have to do. I was recently watching a television show that reminded me of a book, Quo Vadis, by Heinrich Sienkiewicz. It's a very, very good historical novel um, about early Christians, and it's told through the, mostly through the point of view of a, um, a Roman soldier um, and his, as he's you know, just starting to meet some Christians, but it's not really popular. He doesn't know what Christianity is. Very early days, it's in the time of Nero. So, you know, it's a great historical novel. And I remember reading it and really you get a sense of like a world before Christianity really took off is a world completely without mercy. Completely, it's re, it really is kill or be killed, stab someone in the back because someone betrays you, you punish them with force, and there's no mercy. It's a beautiful book to read for, for the message of Christianity, and, and there's some really moving scenes in there. But in the whole culture of the books, and Kevich does a beautiful job of, of showing what a world without mercy looks like. And again, I, I recently witnessed this in a television show where it's just a total lack of mercy or a lack of forgiveness and how much things devolve and how just ridiculous it becomes now again. Maybe in a TV show, it's because they're trying to stretch it out for more and more seasons. But how ridiculous it becomes that people just can't apologize to each other, that they, they can't forgive. And that rivalries and jealousies and fighting just just escalates a world totally without mercy. And, and watching this, this television show and reading about the early Christians with Sienkiewicz, there's just no concept that we should do this. Like there, there's no, we are living in such a post-Christian world. There, there's no concept that I should forgive someone, that I should offer mercy. 
that you are, you're greater, you're stronger when we humble ourselves and we live the mercy of the Father. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. Lord, teach us these things. Like we have to live in a, in a different way. We have to live the radicality of your mercy and how, how you call us to, to be merciful as the Father is merciful. And so we have, to, we have to live this out, right? It's not just a worldly measure. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. The Father's been so merciful to me, right? And when we see, we understand how we've received mercy from the Father, that enables us to be merciful. I remember in seminary, they would always say that the best practice for being a good confessor, right, for, for hearing confessions was the best thing you could do to learn how to hear confessions, go to confession. Go to confession frequently. If you want to learn how to hear confessions, go to confession and just receive mercy. I've never, I've almost never had a bad experience in confession, right? I've almost never been yelled at. I don't think, I was, I don't think I've ever been yelled at, right? And the one time, you know, that one time that it's like, ugh, this is really rough. I think I was already a seminarian and I'm just like, I'm never going to do that to anyone, right? I would never, I, never, right? So many times going to confession and particularly, you know, big sins or whatever that we bring to confession, you know, to, to receive the mercy of God. And so when, we, when we've been forgiven of our sins, we've received God's mercy. How, how could we possibly hate someone else? How could we, how could we possibly um, work against them? No, God, God loves me. When I was his enemy in sin, God loved me and forgave me. It reminds us of that other parable of it's titled in the Bible, right? Now, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't write titles, but we, we have them. The parable of the unmerciful servant, right? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And we began the reckoning. One was brought to him, who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was 2,000 days wages, right? Um, I'm pretty sure that's it. I don't, it's a huge amount of money, right? In fact, in the New American Bible, they don't even try to give you the dollar. They just say a huge amount of money, right? One talent is a huge amount of money. Um, never mind 10,000 talents. We're talking trillions of dollars. Owed him trillions of dollars. And as he couldn't pay it back, there's, there's no way this guy could pay it back. His Lord ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, all that he had, his payment to be made. And now notice, you sell this guy into slavery and his wife and his kids, that's probably not even going to equal one talent, right? That, it, it, even if you give everything you have, you lose it all, it doesn't, doesn't even begin to pay back the debt. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Lord, 
Have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. Now again, how foolish is that? We're going to actually, this Lent, because it's year C, we're going to read the, um, as well, the, the prodigal son, right? And, and just, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. Treat me as a servant, right? Treat, no, no, no. When we make these, these requests, like somehow we're going to make ourselves even. Lord, be patient. I'll pay you back. I'll you a couple trillion dollars. I'll pay you back. Like, I'll, just be patient with me. I'll, I'll pay it, right? Um, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'll make it up to you. I'll, treat me as a servant. Treat me as one of your servants. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that servant released him and forgave him the whole debt. That's me with my sins. Every mortal sin is an offense against the infinitely good God. And any mortal sin we've ever committed in our entire life costs more than trillions of dollars, 10,000 talents. One mortal sin costs more than 10,000 talents. And we, in our foolishness, are like, well, I'll pay you back. God, I'll make it up to you. I'll pay you back. And moved with the compassion. Be patient with me, Lord. Be patient. Our Lord, our Father, forgives the entire debt. Forgives it. Wipes it away. We owe him nothing. Nothing at all. We're totally even. But that same servant, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 days wages. So we're talking trillions of dollars on one hand, and he owed him 100 days wages, about 10 grand. Oh, 10 grand, I mean, if one of you owes me 10 grand, we're going to settle up after the meditation, right? But, um, but no, it owes him 10 grand, roughly. Much smaller amount. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have mercy, have patience with me. And I will pay you the exact same words. Have patience with me and I will repay you. And he refused. And went out and put him in prison till he paid the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They were disturbed by this. They went and they told their Lord what had taken place. And the Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should not you have had mercy upon your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord delivered him to the jailers till he should pay all of his debt. And so will my heavenly father do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. And every time we go to confession, and we should go frequently, we receive the mercy of God. We're not scolded, hopefully. We're not belittled, not mocked. We receive God's mercy. And then we have to turn around and show that mercy. Our Lord says, judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not and you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give it and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back, right? Or as we'll read it in our Sunday reading, the measure with which you measure will in turn, will in return be measured out to you, right? As I measure out to people, 
So that'll be, that, that's how I'll be judged. And so if I love my enemies, well, when I sin, I make myself an enemy of God, and God in his love never abandons me. Do I do good to those who hate me? Do I bless those who curse me and pray for those who mistreat me? And this could be lived, again, in, in very big ways, very small ways. There's a point um, early in the founding of Opus Dei, San Jose Maria, trying to teach college students, young professionals, to live holiness right in the middle of the world. The lay state is, is really possible to live holiness in the lay state, in the heights of holiness. And San Jose Maria was, was called a heretic. Uh, he was denounced, right? He was denounced to the papal nuncio, um, and they were going to in turn denounce him to the Vatican. Uh, and under uh, the regime of uh, General Franco, he was called a Mason, which like you get in Spain in the 40s, if you're a Mason, you go to jail. Um, and he was denounced to them too. And these bishops and, and religious are, are acting with total hostility toward this young priest who's just trying to teach college students and young professionals to live holiness in the middle of the world. And, and he's really being um, persecuted. And he referred to it as... Um, the persecution of the just, that they actually thought they were serving God, right? These, um, these priests and bishops thought that they were serving God by trying to destroy uh, this, this work of God that St. Jose Maria was called to found. And, uh, but he called it, and he called it later a platinum scalpel, that it was just the Lord kind of cut away all of, uh, so much of, of the purification that he himself needed to become a saint, right? Now he's a saint, he's a canonized saint. And so he really, he, he loved and he prayed for, for these um, bishops and priests that, that persecuted him. And he, he really loved, he, he lived this out, the persecution of the just. And so again, these, the saints actually live this and they live it in ways they'd be like, no, look, if this religious order wants to destroy the group that I'm starting, I'm going to destroy them. No, we're not. That, that's, that's nonsense, right? We need to, we need to live this, this mercy, this Radical mercy. We need to be vehicles of it. We need to receive it ourselves, and then we need to, in turn, give it to others. And so, you know, uh, Pope Francis, uh, in the added to the litany of Loretto, uh, Mary is the as the mother of mercy, right? Um, we should turn to our mother, right? She's the mother of mercy, uh, and she could teach us how to be how to be merciful, um, to live the mercy of the Father. And so, Mary, mother of mercy. And pray for us and, and help us experience the Father's mercy in our own lives and in turn show that mercy to all that we encounter. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.